Hack Release Show. My name is Matt, and I'm with my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. What is going on in the world? Where in the world peoples. is Carmen San Diego? Where'd she go? What a great game. Where did she go? She did gone? you play that growing up? I did, and I watched the show too. What about backyard baseball? Uh, did you ever play that one? That was my nickname in high school. Backyard baseball. <laughs> Just kidding. It's kind of weird. Uh, I I mean, was a computer I, game. I played baseball in my backyard. Yeah, like wiffle ball. But no, uh, I did not play that computer game. My neighbor two doors down had that game, and we'd always like we had nothing in common except we backyard liked baseball. playing Crash Bandicoot. Um, Spiral the Dragon, yes, whatever it was, and Backyard Baseball. And did you play Twisted like, Metal? We did play Twisted Metal. Cool. I have uh, um, <clears throat> one of the guys who works for us. He has, I guess, like Steam, the company, like the video game, yeah, whatever company. They came out with this like Steam Deck, mm. which is this like kind of I don't know console you can hold I, I, I don't really know the video game lingo anyway he and it's like he had like all these old like Nintendo 64 games on there but yeah anyway we were playing Twisted Metal and like GoldenEye and it was oh, yes. a nice reminiscence of the past but yeah Twisted Metal I realized how much I didn't like it <laughs> on to today's episode <laughs> today's episode yeah. is Hot Takes on hot refs, Woo-hoo. what the NFL doesn't want you to know. I'm just kidding. This isn't about NFL referees. It's not about referees. It's not about referees. This is about when a mastering engineer receives a heated mix, a hot reference, or the so spicy. Uh, producers, mix engineers, artists take on kind of like what they've been listening to at um, the mix at let's just say like a louder level and kind of uh, our perspective on that as a mastering engineer receiving that. But first, ah. the lovely Sam Moses, the great Sam Moses. Oh my, build me up. Is going to take us into housekeeping. Hello, listener, audience, friend, client. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. This is that unique time, that special time of the week where you get to go like, share, subscribe, the attack release show. But really, if you want to skip all that, just screenshot the episode you're listening to or previous favorite, post it on Instagram, tag Moses Mastering, tag for the record mastering. We will reshare it, cross market, cross multiply, community explodes, more friends, more fun, more music. That is the gift of sharing and cross-marketing. So take a minute right now. Help us, please help us. Share this episode you're listening to or favorite on Instagram. Tag us, we'll reshare it. We love meeting new people, love meeting our audience. That's one of the best things that's happened is we actually are meeting our audience more and more online. Y'all are freaking sweet. Thank you for sticking around for five years. New people, welcome. We love you as well. Say hi, don't be a stranger. Housekeeping done. We're not too far from uh, starting on year six. I know, it kind of makes me feel old, like year six. You are old. Yeah, you know. Old man Sam. Old man Sam, getting grumpier. (laughs) Matt was just saying my 
podcast topics are getting snarkier as they uh, as I'm getting older. I think in the show, <laughs> crotchety, crotchety started out all nice and playful. Now I'm like ah, all that boiling up to an episode, all you know, about hot, hot refs. <laughs> yeah, hot takes. And here we the are. hot takes episode. We could legit just do a whole episode on hot takes. Yeah, hottakes.com. I don't know what's at hottakes.com, but don't go to hottakes.com. Not responsible for that. Do yourself a favor. Don't go to hottakes.com. If it's available, I, don't know what's though, there either. I should buy I'm, that. I'm just, I'm just letting you don't don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it, folks. Don't go to hotrefs.com either. <laughs> don't go to hotrefs.com. Or maybe you do. I don't, don't know. Don't even go to hot take hot takes on hotrefs.com. That's Any, probably not even anything good one hot hotsomething.com. Probably gonna get some interesting content. But maybe you want that, you know? Maybe you need a little spice There's in your a life. Chinese restaurant in town called Hot Mustard. Ooh. I love hot mustard. That's pretty good. Spicy mustard. Down. Brown mustard. They had, like, mustard. The best, like General Sal's chicken. Mm. Okay. Anywho. Let's do this episode. Uh, we should get into this. Okay, so <clears throat> Sam and I, so before like, I don't know, whoever goes first, before <laughs> they kind of mold the perspective on what you think we think <laughs> is going on here, the other one of us has a very different hot take on hot refs. So, um, but it all kind of like in the end kind of comes together in a nice way that... Mm. I don't know. I think it's. I, th- I think. I think it'll be helpful. So, anywho, Sam, Matt, do you like when you receive like a heated mix, a hot ref from a client that like the artist has been listening to, and that, yeah, take take it from there. <laughs> and we we're gonna just throw it back and forth a little bit. Yeah, we'll dialogue a bit. Okay, we're not going to. But not going to. We might. Though. It's nice to think. I about can it. be it's conscious nice about, about it. it. You know, going into year six. Here we go. Yeah. Um, okay. The do, habits are formed. Do I like when they send me a hot ref? Let me answer and say yes, dash, no. <laughs> yes, because it gives me context of what everybody's been listening to. No, because I think hot references are a misunderstanding of what mastering is and that it is a unnecessary thing that has happened to us over the many years of misunderstanding mastering and assuming that mastering is just making things louder with a limiter. Yes, we make things more loud more often with compression and limiting, but that is such a small part of what we do, and hot refs are nothing but a misleading uh, fake faux representation of an end product. Now, I know that a lot of mixers do it because they're trying to beat the producer's ref. And this in lies, their lies. Something is lying in there is the problem. We have people, it's trickled down now to demos, producers, songwriting sessions where people are now just using limiters and they don't know what they're doing which why would they? They're not engineers. They're producers or just songwriters and they have access to some tools. I'm not saying that's good or bad, but what has happened is at this stage, I've watched it trickle down. We have now, and this is not shaming anyone, producers making ultra compressed references that then mixers have to match or beat and then that comes to the mastering engineer. 
for us to quote unquote be. But what's starting to happen now is there's a shift where people are starting to present to me, hey, we know the ref isn't an actual master. We know mm. you'll do something better slash different. What they call it, what? A faux master. A faux master, yeah. And like that's not even me that says it. Like I right. have like clients. Like, I have hey, it this labeled. Is like my yeah, faux master. F A U X master. Like I get that from clients. So then I just always I know why people are doing it. You know because they say, well, the we have to have something loud. The client wants to you know loud. They're comparing it to our commercially released or release song or something. But at the same time, it's a terrible. <laughs> you be like, what they're comparing it to a mastered song, right? Exactly. I've had conversations like that. Well. You know, you're comparing a unfinished product to a final product still. You're comparing a not mastered song to a mastered song. And this is the problem of the hot ref. The hot ref puts you in a box. It puts you in a corner. And it's starting now to... Mixers are getting put in a corner more and more. I'm going to go to bat for my mixers because I adore them so much. Uh, I love producers too, but mixers are like my lifeblood. But producers, if you're listening, I beg of you to just pull off just a hair on your mix bus or whatever limiter you're using to better set up your mixer to win because your mixer is getting stuck in a box. And it's not even probably your fault, producer. It's your client, the artist, whoever is listening to the demo rough and then they decide, okay, this is a cool song. Let's send it to mixing. So then mixers are chasing a fake mix just like we're chasing a fake master and we're all chasing a product that we all know can't come out there are things we like about it maybe of course it gives us a snapshot or a thumbnail of potential i don't even want to say potential just a thumbnail of an overall vibe of what we have it's like we get to see all the ingredients in front of us but we don't know quite how it's going to taste or end up uh that is the, the issue with the hot ref. So, do I like when I get one? I guess. Do I like hot refs? Heck no. They are an issue. They are a problem. We, me and Matt, have nothing... Let me just say this. Matt and I have no issues, quote-unquote, beating refs. This isn't a me being like, oh, I wish I didn't have a hot ref to compete with. There's no competition. It's not hard to beat a ref. of the time because it's not a representation of a mastered song and it's done so improperly with limiting usually that you know if I take the regular non-limited mix and just use kind of my signal chain it's immediately bigger fatter louder like within like the first couple minutes of me touching it just because I know how to use I think know how to make things louder better because that's kind of my job at this stage Okay, I'm going to pause there because I do want to dialogue. Matt, throw it back at you. Do you like when you get a hot ref? Go. So I do. Um, I I do 100% use them. I import them into the DAW. I know that you said you did. Um, I don't know if it was we were recording yet or not, but I do import refs into the DAW. It's kind of just like hanging out down below. Um I have I have some funny questions, but I'm not going <laughs> to ask them now. Okay. Um, so I don't mind hot refs. Um, I think that they're really. I think that hot references are really easy to beat. However, some of them can be so inappropriately put together. 
What um, a good way of saying that. Well, in- inappropriate so, is a good word. Well, some of them can be put together in like an inappropriate way that it's actually more beneficial to the song for it to not be as loud as the ref because they're just referencing some like song on Spotify and I mean their normalization's turned on so they're not even listening to like the actual like loudness of the song you're just listening to what Spotify is doing to it which is silly go listen to any one of our episodes on that <clears throat> we have a recent one um they're easy to beat I do use them. Um, the reason I like to use them is because it makes me feel better about what I do because I'll go and I'll <laughs> listen to what they've been listening to and I'll be like, oh my goodness, like the master has just like this cool little level of depth that's like not even, it's just like like the hot refs are just like smashed to hell. Like right. there's nothing, there's not, there's not normally like anything left of the reference. Um, I think it brings up the question, why do they exist? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that question does need to be answered. I think at a lot of levels and many at many levels. Um, unfortunately, also I do think that they set a false expectation of what the mix is going to sound like. Um, and then there's this like once again this whole thing of how they're made, um, because they're made in a way where. The mix that I receive can, if the inappropriateness is kind of followed the way that I'm spelling it out, the way that I know that it sometimes happens, is innocently an instance of ozone is pulled up. And you're not just opening up one module of ozone. No one does that. Right. And so you're bringing up the maximizer and you're like, oh, I want the stereo width thing going on. And then, yo, let's bring up this distortion and let's bring up the, let's compress this a little bit. And, oh, man, we got this thing moving. Well, suddenly it's like, well, why is there a mastering engineer involved now? Um, Because what you're going to deliver to me, I'm not going to be able to make work because that whole ozone chain is now part of your mix bus. Right. But you are going to deliver that on the hot ref. So now the hot ref is nothing like the mix. And I let's just say I level match the mix to the hot ref, which I do every time. And I'm like, okay, is the mix just the hot ref louder? And if it's not, we might have some questions. Um, because if you're listening to something that's like completely different than what you're submitting to me, why should I just not master the hot ref at that point? Because that's what you approved. Right. And so there are a lot of questions that really come to uh, flourishing with this whole um, heated mix kind of thing. And it's like, I get it. Like, you'll have some stuff that, like, kind of pop and bang and boom a little bit differently because you're hitting limiters and, like, limiters do that. And they're going to grab in certain ways, which is why, in general, you can't master a hot mix or a hot ref. Um, but I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like, sometimes you'll hear them so different. Like, you're like, man, can I just master the ref? Because that's the art, like, like, cause who knows when the last time the artist actually heard the mix mm-hmm. and did they actually approve the mix or did they pr- approve the hot ref? Right. And so I don't know. That's kind of, that's kind of my initial hot take on hot refs. Um, 
Sam, are they a necessary part of the job in the music creation process? No, I don't think so at all. Because I think it comes from a lack of trust and or understanding of the team that you've hired. Like, if you know you're going to hire a mastering engineer and you understand the basics of mastering, then you know a mastering engineer will take care of final loudness. Now, as a producer and mixer, of course, if you love the sound of compression, this isn't a knock on using limiters at the mix stage at all. That's not this. Like, mix into limiters if you want to, mix into compressors. This is when you have done that already and then you toss on another limiter or something and take off three, four more dB because you're afraid you're not going to quote-unquote beat the other reference that's been given to you. You know, mixers, producers, producers, demo songwriters. And... I think if there was a better understanding and more, this is a trust issue to me at its core. It is a trust issue that you do not trust that down the line, the next person will be able to do their job. Really, that's kind of it. Like when like a songwriter... It's part trust, part curiosity. That's fine. Curiosity, yeah. But that's it, where I'd be approaching it from if I was at a mix or production level. I'd be curious. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, most of the people I talk to think what they're doing is giving them like, oh, I wonder how my snare is going to sound or how it's going to sound when, you know, you compress it more. But there's an, a, that's where the issue is, is that you assume I'm going to use the same plugin you're using and take 4 dB off with it. No, that's not how this works like at mastering it's a misunderstanding of final delivery and format and loudness and it's really a misunderstanding of compression at its at its basis like that's what this comes down to people don't understand gain stage a volume knob and what compression does those three things if people understood how that worked and why it's important and why it makes, quote-unquote, I'll say, the best records. It even makes, to me, the loudest records. Like, the loudest records are usually stacked correctly like that. Like, it has some headroom, it has some range before it gets to me, and then I can finalize it with my mastering, quote-unquote, tools approach, and we get a super loud, dense record. So, I don't think they are necessary at all because they're giving, once again, a misinterpretation, a miss, a fake, it's like a fake end product. Like, yeah, if you're, like back when I used to produce hip hop a lot, like I would slam the final, like the session from writing with a rapper and making a beat, I would just slam it into an L3, take 10 dB off, and then that was it. Like, then it would get, you know, either I'd mix it. And when, if I was mixing, I would undo all of that. Or if it got sent mm. to a mixer, you know, sorry to the mixers that had to do that. Like, you know, they would get the song without that, but I would tell them what I did. But I would also, I, at that stage, I knew what I was doing. The disclaimer was the artist just wanted it to be, you know, loud. Like when we burnt it to a CD, <laughs> they wanted to not have, that was back when, yeah, we burned everything to CDs. <laughs> out of a session, like they'd put it in their car. They didn't have to turn their knob past 12 because that's where Jay-Z's record was. So it's like a a misunderstanding once again of 
what loudness is, what a final product is, and then it's also an insecurity. So we're in an industry that deals with a lot of insecurities, a lot of ego, uh, a lot of uh, scarcity mindset. So the idea is, you know, I got to show my worth. So I got to beat the demo person. I got to then beat the producer. I got to, you know, even the mastering stage. It's, you know, I've had mixers straight up send me like, you know, notes that say, hey, you basically don't touch my mix and try to beat my ref. Like I've gotten that from some top tier mixers that I don't really love working with because it's like, oh, I get it. Like you think you're perfect and you think it's done and you think that, you know, your ref is a master, you know, and that that's just not really correct. Like if it was, the label wouldn't have hired me still to master it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you didn't get hired to master it. I did. So they obviously think I have some value. But it's, yeah, it's a it's an insecurity, I think, for a lot of people. And their fear is that if I don't beat the ref for, at any stage, then I might lose my job, which is could be a reality. Like if you keep turning in quieter mixes than the references you get, your artists, because they don't understand the process, because they're so detached and divorced for how music works, which is a bigger issue at hand. That's kind of part of this for me with this podcast is like this episode is we have to continually do all of us producers, mixers, everyone. We have to keep educating our clients, our artists, our label people, our A&Rs that, hey, you got to trust the next stage. Like just fight for it. Like you should fight for it because then what it's going to do is it's going to free you up to create in a way that's free. Like, Mm-hmm. For my mixers that now we've done so many products together, together with the same clients over and over again, the clients now understand like, oh, when Sam gets it, it'll it'll take care of that loudness fear I have. You know, they and they that's kind of the base. That's all they understand about mastering still is loudness, but that's okay. Like they're not an engineer, master engineer, but they're then allowing the mixer to just mix. And the mixer still takes it pretty loud because that's the sound we like. We like compression. We like things to be energetic and in your face and more loud more often. That's fine. But they're not feeling that pressure as much than with their clients of like, oh, then I need to slap on another limiter to like really impress them or show my value. Because what you're really doing with my mixers, I tell them like, and mixers, you tell your producers like, I tell my mixers, your non-ref is so good. Like you're a Mm -hmm. terrific mixer. Your ref makes you sound like a bad mixer. Like mm. it's it's your bottom end's gone, the center fell out, it got phasey. You did something in ozone. This isn't a knock on ozone either. I I have no issues with ozone. I have ozone. I've used ozone so many times. I love ozone. Ozone rebalance. Oh my gosh, saved my butt so many times. Great tools. But make your you, bottom not fall off. Yeah. If you use them inappropriately, which is really the best word I think, Matt, then it just makes you sound bad even though the client may sign off on it it usually makes your work sound worse and that's you know that comes back to the education process so i'm going to hand it back to you like do you think hot refs are necessary matt if you really had your way do you think a hot ref is necessary um 
like if the education process was there, like producer produces, mixer mixes, the master engineer will take care of the loudness, and everybody's like, oh, cool, okay, I trust that. You don't need a like, hot ref, right? It's kind of like you go through the checkout aisle in the grocery store, and like <laughs> every time you like look at the candy there, it's like the oh, Reese's, yes. the M and M's, the Hershey. You got the crunch. And it's like you like you see the nerds rope, and it's kind of like, is that necessary? <laughs> no, but it's fun, and it's fun to. Kind of relive being a kid eating a like a crunch bar, and you like seeing the commercial of like the elves and doing all the little rice stuff with the chocolate. I don't know. I think it's fun, but I don't think it's necessary. Do you think people are um, doing it though because it's fun? Because no. my perspective is they're doing it because they're scared they're not going to beat so and so's. But like that's and, and that's that's kind of like the weird thing is like. I don't understand why you can't just be like, we're not there in the process. Right. To I be agree. Like, like, why is this something? So, so I think that, I think that there's two things like, just like kind of like boosting something up just to kind of like listen to it loud, I think is fine. And I think it's fun. And you buy the occasional candy bar or something like that. Or like, like, okay, just dumbing all this down. The candy that a hot ref is, is pop rocks. <laughs> That's what this is. Is it fun? Yeah. Is it necessary to make that purchase at 33 <laughs> years old? I'm almost 34, going into a grocery store. And it's like, anytime I, my, my, my wife buys groceries, like she's, she's awesome and always on top of it. But the only time I ever go into a grocery store is there's a barber shop right next to the grocery store and they only take cash and they don't have an ATM. And so I have to go into the grocery store to go buy something stupid to get cash back <laughs> to then go like over to the barbershop to go pay for my haircut. And I'm like, man, what can I buy? And so I'm just like, okay, I'll just get like, they have like, they had like a, a little cooler of like LaCroix. And I was like, sure. Okay, whatever. I'll get one of those. And then it's like, you kind of see the candy. You're like, maybe and it's like my, if my kid's there, I'm like, Hey Emery, you want a, you know, like you want like a, like a thing. And normally he'll beat me too. He's like, Hey, can I get the peanut m and It's like, yeah, sure. And so why? Because it's fun. You're a kid, you're five years old. Go ahead and do that. Is it like, is it necessary for me to get the pop rocks at 34 years old going and getting $20 cash back to go get a haircut? And it's like sitting in the barbershop with all this like <laughs> going out of my mouth. No, it's not necessary, but it's fun. It's unpredictable and too. <laughs> unpredictable. Um, you don't know when they're going to stop popping. Exactly. Um, anyway, um, the I digress part of this is I 100% understand why they're a thing. I understand why producers do it. I understand why like, like mix engineers like to play with them and whatnot. I 100%. I don't, the part of it I don't get is why are you giving it to the, to the client, to the artist to sit with and to listen to the mix or to listen to like the tracking session or like whatever. That makes no sense to me because it's like, that's not your product yeah. and that's not the product that's going to go to the next person. So it makes no sense to give the artist a product that they're going to have to make a decision on when that's, when what is going to be passed on is not that product. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's, it's not even like, 
it's not disingenuous. It's not like like misleading or anything. It's just not right. It's like if you come to me and you want a yellow shirt, and you're like, cool, I'll make this yellow shirt. And I give it, and then I don't know, and I'm like messing around with the wet red shirts. And it's like, this is this is not like like these two colors are not the same shirts. Right. But it's like, ah, don't worry about it. This they'll 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 get it back to yellow. Like when I get it to the other t-shirt guy. And then that t-shirt guy will get it to that t-shirt guy. And that guy's gonna be putting the label on the front of it. And yeah, when you get it back, it'll be yellow. <laughs> but you just gave him a red shirt. Yeah, but you know, t-shirts. Yeah, potato potato. Um I don't see why they're a thing. I think that they're more harmful than anything. Um, I don't think that it's what should be approved by the client. If that's what's approved by the client, then that should be like ultimately what is submitted. What is nice whenever they do happen, because I'm not against them. I'm against how they're used. Um, but what is nice, and you and I have a client who we share... Um, I won't say their name, but what is nice is we do get hot refs from, oh, I get, and so I'm assuming you get as well, hot refs from this client, but then all that they do is they like just boost up like the Pro L2 however much they want until like the final, like whatever, and they take a screenshot of that limiter and be like, hey, this is exactly what happened. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Nothing damaging that this client's really been listening to. And then it's like I reference a hot ref against what I'm doing. And nine times out of 10, like, and it's not even nine times out of 10. It's 10 times out of 10, I like mine but mine better. If there's like a nine times out of 10, it's kind of like, I don't know, like, yeah, well, maybe we printed this a little quiet. That's always kind of interesting if like, what happens if the hot ref is better? It's very rare if it ever is better. Yeah. But normally it's just like, normally it's a discrepancy in loudness and the other one is just a little bit louder than yours. And it's like, then there's a conversation of, okay, let's level match this. Let's actually listen to what's going on one to the other. Yeah. And if there's a conversation where the master needs to be quieter than the hot ref because it serves the song and if it's a part of a record and it serves the record better and the placement in the record better. Because if they're just going into like a Pro L2 and just turning it up by 8, 9, 10 dB every song across the board, it's like, well, that's zero like flow for the record. Right. And so it's like, because everything's just kind of hitting the limiter and it's like peaking out the limiter. And now you have a brick and I have a brick and we're trying to decide whose brick looks better. <laughs> a little brick show here. Um, so I like when I get a little bit of perspective about the hot ref, but I, I, I still don't understand like what, why the client was even listening to that because it's like at the end of the day, like the mix is still freaking awesome. Right. And arguably the mix is always better than the hot ref. Right. And so I don't understand why the client has been listening to something that sounds like crap. Right. And they approved something that sounds like crap compared to like the mix that's just like, holy moly, this is gorgeous. Right. So I, that's, that's kind of where... I think it's just a insecurity slash uneducated. It's got to be. Uneducated. Like, I remember when my band, we made our record. This was 14 years ago. Um, and we got the mixes back. And we listened to two things have happened to back in the day, 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 back when mm. you would mix on a console or tape. 
you didn't take the song with you. <laughs> like, you listened to it in the studio, and then when you left as the band, you didn't have a version to take with you, like, before digital or before we burned to CDs. Like, you used to just listen in the studio and it get approved and sent to mastering, and you would only be able to reference it in person. You didn't get to take it to your car. Now, there were some studios that created their own radio stations, which is a fun idea back in the day. People are always so creative. That's cool. To broadcast from I'd love to have a radio station. Yeah, to their... I guess we do kind of have a radio station. Yeah, to a car. Uh, And people used to do that. So you could listen in your car to have a different reference. Like, take it around the car. That's a fun thing. Um, But what I am saying is basically, like, over time, people now can compare instantly. And I think that's when I when we were a band, when I had my band, we got the mixes. We listened to the mixes in the studio, and I was like, "This is great, love it." Guy was like, "All right, gonna burn them to a CD, take them home for you know the week, and we'll come back and make final tweaks." All right, great. Well, all we did back then, like we had a six CD changer, and I put that against Jimmy at World against something else, something else, something else. Of course, every CD I played was louder than our mixes, like. And I was just, that was like our band's feet. We're uneducated on the process. And our feedback was like, it just doesn't sound as big or loud or full. You know, just these words basically just means it's not as loud. And the mixer was like, well, you haven't had mastering yet. And that'll take care of it. And that was, I remember being like, is it really? Because that's kind of scary because we're about to spend $4,000 on mastering. Like, I hope it does take care of everything, essentially. (laughs) And it did. Like, it got mastered and it came back really loud and compressed. And at the time, I didn't know any difference. And I do think it was better. Um, It did sound like finished and every song sounded much more balanced and cohesive from start to finish. But I think that is really like the thing that's happening is there is a lack of education and it falls on each one of us to educate, you know, if you're a mixer, educate your client, hey, here's the mix. This is, it's not going to be as loud as the song you're going to compare it to. You know, Katy Perry, Justin Bieber, Ed Sheeran, like, it's not going to be that loudness yet if you're doing an A-B or something. And it's not going to be as loud as the producer's demo you have, you know. And you can just tell them, when it gets to mastering, that'll get taken care of. So just focus on, you know, balance level and overall vibe. Of course, you could say, well, vibe, and I agree, energy and vibe can come from compression. So sometimes there is a bit, this is where like the hot ref is, I hate it because then they compare it to the demo or the producer's ref and they're like, well, that just doesn't feel as like energetic or as bright and blah, blah. And so the mixer is like chasing this hot ref just because the compression has changed everything and it's just it just ties people's hands up so I just wish there was more like if you're listening to this like have the courage to educate your clients because what I found when I educate people in a nice way because it's for the greater good it's for the best in product the client loves that like the client wants the best end product too. They just often don't know what the process is. And that's normal and fine if you've never made a record before. 
So that's kind of like here's a yeah, here's go. another thing of this. Um, and I don't know if this could be a thing as well. Um, man, I'm debating about saying this. We could always um, take it out if you don't want it. Yeah. All right. Whatever. So. I have this client for this record that I'm going to be doing, and I'm excited to do their record. But they sent me just like a screenshot, like along with like all their files and stuff. They sent me a screenshot from the producer. It was just a, like a text thread. It's literally a screenshot um, from the producer of just like kind of explaining what's in the folder. And like the verbatim, this reads... Uh, I know for a fact this guy doesn't listen to this podcast, so it's okay. <laughs> hey, this folder has the mixes that we've been listening to and some minus six versions for mastering. Just softer so they can slam it through their shit, but still, it says that. Yeah. But still are louder ones, so they at least got to beat these sonically. And it's just like, okay, there, there's like a few things here to unpack. So that means that the original mixes, and I haven't even gotten into this session yet. I, it might be this week. It might be next week. I'm a, I'm a touch booked out. Um, that sounded pretentious. I didn't mean it to sound pretentious. <laughs> I'm a little busy. A little busy. I just haven't even listened to it yet. I mean, yeah. It's like if I get it in, it's like it'll go on my schedule, but right. it's like I don't have time to listen to everything no, as I soon know. as it comes yeah. in. That's how I am too. Um, and so it's just like, it's mixed. It sounds like at full freaking volume, like everything's peaked out, and then they just dial it back on a limiter minus six, right? And it's like, well, that's not at all what I need. I need dynamic range, right? And so it sounds like this has no dynamic range to it, and that right there is like, I highly encourage not to do that. That sounds like a gain staging issue. So this is like real life stuff, and. It's just like, that to me sounds like a gain staging issue. And then uh, still our louder ones, so, so at least they got to beat these sonically. And it's like, I'm not trying to like beat anything. It's like, I don't really give a shit about your ref. So like, let's just make that like really clear. Like, I sh that should be a shirt. Right. I don't give a shit about your ref. I just always feel like I'm not impressed by your ref. Like, it's not. Like people sometimes, I feel like sending me like, oh, check out that ref. And I'm like, I'm not impressed by this. This isn't anything. Normally they sound pretty bad. Normally they're really not worth listening to. And so it's like, it's not something that I even really have trouble beating or that I, or that like I really go out of my way to beat. It's after my print's done and after everything's there, I go and I just solo that one to my master and just like, yeah, I like that significantly more. And that's normally all I use it for. But I don't know. To me, it's like in general, there seems like there's a significant misunderstanding um, with a bunch of, I don't know, whether it's gain staging, whether it's like just kind of like trusting other people. And I mean, I know there's like a big insecurity thing in the music industry and there's like a big ego kind of thing because it's like you're making something and you're putting your name on it and you're putting like your, like your butt on the line and it's your name. And so, and like normally your studio name sometimes in the, on, on, on the stuff. And it's just like, yeah, you got skin in the game, but it's like, so what? You got more projects. Just, just move on. That's okay. Um, anyway, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think that's kind of all 
I have to say on hot refs. Should they exist, Sam? No. They shouldn't exist. I've kind of talked myself out of it. I don't think they... I think if people were educated properly, like I'm saying, that's this episode, like, there shouldn't be a hot ref because a hot ref is not, like you're saying, it's not the product that gets moved forward. And the only time... There's really no reason for it to exist. Right. The only time I have put out, like we've gone with a hot ref, has always been because it's an ego politic thing. It's not for the greater art or serving what the song needs. It's serving... Of course, it gets in like, oh, the client's always right. In, In the cases where someone's been like, we just like the hot ref, you know? And that, honestly, there have been songs on records I've done where it's just a rename, resend, because they can't get over it. Then, yeah, the hot ref comes out, but it's because someone is so stubborn and so they just, they can't let go of it. They fully believe that if this doesn't come out, then so-and-so is going to be upset or so-and-so is saying this is better, and usually it's not correct. It's, it's, a, it's a choice out of fear. And when you pick to act out of fear when it comes to the arts, you are getting a lesser product. You are not putting out the best version of your art when you act out of fear. And that, to me, I think mixers would agree with me, the ones I talk to all the time, they would agree with me. Yeah, my mix is better than my hot reference. Like, I don't think I know any mixer who would say the opposite. Otherwise, they would just make their hot reference the mix, which is the thing like I've always been like, why are we getting two versions? Just make the hot ref the mix then if that's what your client really wants. But nobody really wants that. We all know that's not a finished product at every stage. But we keep humoring our insecurities and ego and lack of willing to be brave as people, as creators, and say, you know what? That's not what I'm going to do, and it's going to get taken care of. So don't worry about it. And if someone is throwing a huge fit about it, then you know what? Maybe they're not the client you want anyway, because you're probably compromising choices all over the place. Now, thankfully, I will say, at this (coughs) stage... Most people, like my mixers, when they deliver you know something to me, not CC'd with everybody else, they say like, hey, man, here's the mix. I don't like the ref or don't worry about the refs. Like, just do your thing. That's called trust, you know? And that's something that I'm glad I have with most of my mixers. But I genuinely do not believe hot refs need to exist, need to be a thing, if people would just educate their clients well and be brave and take a stand. Because it would be so... I know too, like, my mixers and my producers, I love you all, and I know you all would be like, man, it would sure be nice if I didn't have to, at the end of my session, just smash a song 10 dB just so this person thinks I'm good at my job. Because that's kind of what it what is going on. <laughs> like, it's whittling down your amazing production, your amazing mix skills into one... 30-second move on a limiter just so someone thinks you're good at your job. And then they go, oh, it sounds so good. It's so loud now. When in reality, all you need to tell them is like, hey, this isn't going to represent the final end product or loudness. We're at the production stage. We're at the mix stage. So just use your volume knob for now. And then when we get to mastering, 
If it's still not loud enough, then we can talk to the mastering engineer about that. So easy, so simple, and it would solve so many problems. And that, to me, is why hot refs shouldn't exist. Am I glad they exist now? No, I'm not. Am I happy when someone sends them to me? It's fine. It's not a big deal. I don't lose sleep over this at all. <laughs> it's not like I not I don't get mad when I see a hot ref. I just think, okay, not going to listen to that. Going to master the mix, send it to them. And that's what I do. And 99.9% of the time, no one ever mentions the ref again once they hear the master. If anything, they always say, wow, it sounds so much better. You always take it to the mm-hmm. next level, blah, 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 which is so nice. And that's how it should be. It's what like the mixer, oh, the mixer. You did such a better job, you know, than like the producer rep, blah, blah. Sounds so much better. Better representation of what we recorded, blah, blah, blah. That's why you hire professionals because they know what they're doing and they can elevate your art and help you interpret it better, hopefully. So that to me, the only time I will say too, if you're working with someone who's not beating the hot ref, it could be that that person actually isn't where they need to be. Like you may be, expecting someone to execute on a level that they're not there yet. Like that happens all the time. And I think that's part of this conversation. I'll, I'll wrap what I'm saying up here, but there are plenty of situations where someone hires a master engineer who then masters the quote unquote master engineer or someone who's just inexperienced. Maybe you're not great yet. Not yet. Remember how I said yet we all start somewhere. Um, and they may not be, quote-unquote, the ref. They may make so many changes tonally that, yeah, it's just worse. Like, it's not better. It's a total... Man, Matt, I'm so glad... I don't know why I'm so fascinated by this word, inappropriate. <laughs> Such a common it's word. Because it's true. But it is like you inappropriately mastered the song and then it doesn't sound as good as the ref, even level matched. That happens, I'm sure, all the time. Um, but yeah, I don't think hot refs need to exist. I think we could get rid of hot refs if people would start educating their clients better about the process and what each stage is there for. And it would help everyone create more freely and not worry so much. And that's where you create even better art. So I'm going to stop there. That's all I have to say today. So I have a I have a note here that I wrote down. To me, that really kind of embodies the dis, the disservice that hot refs, not the referees, um, essentially like the disservice and the burden that it places on the music creation process mm-hmm. and what the client is ultimately doing with them. Um, and it's one question. When a client gets my master back, they go if and and mm, they're going to go running to their car, and we'll get to like I have a whole episode on why I think running to your car is stupid, <laughs> but um, when they go run to their car to go check the master out, are they going to be comparing it against the hot ref or the mix? And I think everybody's answer, it might be different. It might be the same. Everybody's answer to that question should aid in essentially the question of, is a hot ref a disservice to the client? 
and what they're doing. I don't think there's a chance in hell that they're listening to the mix. If they have a hot reference that they've been listening to and that <clears throat> like is kind of being if it's if it's important enough that it's being forwarded on to mastering, they're comparing the hot ref to the master. Mm-hmm. And I think if that is the case, then it's like, why the hell are you even submitting mixes at that point? Right. Um You've essentially down like you are you are downplaying so much of what you're doing because a hot ref you're just like destroying and tearing up your mix. And if a client isn't isn't really even referencing, which I know for a fact a lot of a lot of the people that I've worked with in the past, I know for a fact they're just going and referencing the hot ref. And it's not their fault because they've been provided that file. For whatever reason, you can name it from whatever you want from this episode, whatever reason that they're supplying it. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. Um, I I think they're fun. It's like the pop rocks of a mix. It's fun, but it's not necessary. And it's definitely not what they should be comparing against things. It's like you can totally have a level-matched version of the mix uh, post-master I think it would be fine to compare. You can compare, oh, yeah, they did this, or they did that, or I like how this is, or maybe we should check this out. <clears throat> I think that's smart. Um, we won't get into why I think a car is a absolutely garbage uh, reference system. No one really cares about your 2003 Nissan Altima and what it sounds like. Um, shots, the amount of times that I've been in, like... Ultima. The amount, what's that? So shots fired at Ultimus. Take that, Nissan. Um, <laughs> you know who you are. Um, I don't know anybody with a Nissan Ultima. <clears throat> but the, uh, I've been in like a handful of cars that like I'm listening to a master in and it's like, let's just say it's like piano music and it's just like there's like low mids like crazy in the car because the car's a piece of shit. And it's just like really like it's like rattling things. And there's like, I don't know, like old rappers and like the little side like cup holders. Pop and rock. Like that. Is that pop distortion? Rock. It's like, no, it's your garbage, you jerk. It's your pop rocks container. Yeah. So that's like the whole like I I don't know. It's like I have a whole episode on what on like the proper Great. way to reference a master and why it's not your car. Well, I um I also want to say real quick is like <clears throat> why hot refs are so silly because we at the mastering stage we don't make a hot master like a faux master for our master. This is what it could sound like. This is what it if could you is, mixed it better. Yeah, like we don't <laughs> we don't turn back two versions to people. Yeah. Like and then one the other one that the better correct one comes out like why do we not make a hot ref because you don't need to you don't need a hot ref like that's where it comes back to like it's a misunderstanding of mastering and an inappropriate use of tools in theory because we don't make hot things hot refs at mastering so nobody yeah. else needs to do that and for some reason, when it gets to mastering, people get really uptight about compression. I've noticed that too. Oh, oh, it's a little too compressed. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> like, now you care. 
like about it, but your hot refs that, you know, are taking 15 dB off, you're like, this is definitely what we want. And can that's where like, can we publish two episodes where one's a hot ref yes. and one's just a regular episode? <laughs> right. Yes. But that's, you know, uh, a little please rant side slam. tangent of I'm just saying that like the silliness of the hot ref. Like we get to master and we're not making a hot ref master for people to review and then we turn in a different one. Like it's just a silly thing. Let's cut out hot refs for the next year. Like just stop doing it and tell your client that. They don't need to worry about that and point them to what they should be focusing on at that stage. Redirect them to the thing that they're paying you for. I don't even get how they're, I don't even really get how they're created because they're just random mix. It's like, yeah, you have your mix and then it's just like this other random file of like, okay, here's what it's going to sound like. And it's like, but why, why? It's like, you just, just tore to crap your mix. Right. That's it's what like, this I is what used, it could sound yeah. like when it's better than what I'm giving you. It's I used like, to you're be just in totally those downplaying your product, right? Yeah, I used Every to time be. We say sorry. hot ref. We need to have hot like ref. a ref whistle go off. Gosh, I'd be so annoying. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> in the second episode, that's the <laughs> hot ref episode. The hot ref episode. There's going to be a ref whistle every time we say hot ref, right? Just like beep beep. <laughs> Foul on the play. Inappropriate use of limiter. Yeah. 5 dB penalty. <laughs> Get it. Um, anyway, I think... Inappropriate use of the limiter uh-huh. by the producer and the mix engineer. Penalties, offset, restart, they're down. Exactly. That's it. Proceed to mastering. So anyway, uh, I think I've said everything I said. If you're listening to this episode, this isn't a poo-poo on anybody who does hot refs. I get why you have to do it. I used to have to do it all the time. When I was mixing, like, quote-unquote, full-time, made a hot mix every time. I eventually just started turning that in, to be honest, because I was like, this is silly. But I get it. I think we all get it. But I would like you, the audience, to be brave if you're listening. Let's try and cut out the hot refs and educate people on the process, the step they're at. And once again, continue to educate people that mastering will take care of that final loudness concern. And if your mastering engineer isn't getting the job done, hit Matt and I up. We can make great sounding loud records. We've been doing it for years. We're both very good at it. That's all. Yeah. End of discussion. (laughs) Yeah. Hotrefs.com. No, do not, do not go to that. Anyway, I'm gonna put I'm a referee right whistle in the song, the beat for this week. Is this gonna be like kind of like an NFL like outro intro? No, I don't want to be. In, well, maybe NFL music's always like kind of rocky, like really kind of uh, like cinematic rock. <laughs> I might do that if yeah. I got time. I might. It's kind of cinematic rock. Yeah, never really thought about that. Yeah. That's kind of all sports Anywho. music. Just like kind of cinematic-y. I've watched no football this year. Well, now I might. I watch football kind a of lot now. It. And I literally, so random. I got into sports this year, okay? <laughs> like, I am into sports. I went to a Titans game. I watch That's fun. sports on the regular now. <clears throat> I'm going to bubble and throw. And, uh, I've come to love sports. I didn't used to hate sports. I used to play sports. And then I took like 15 years off pretty much. 
and it really got into music. And now I'm coming back to sports and the the joy of sports and the camaraderie and the community. You know, it's great. Sports are great. Go sports. Go sports. Score a lot of points. You win. I'm a. I. I. I I don't think I have a team. I mean, you got the Titans right there. The Carolina Panthers. I'm like, that's in Charlotte. I was like, I don't want anything to do with that. My friend growing up, uh, her dad was, they they were all from like Massachusetts. And so they were all Patriots fans. And so I kind of was like, yeah, sure. I'll watch Patriots. Um, and like the whole like Tom Brady thing kind of made it. It was kind of like liking uh, Alabama in uh, college football. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like watching the Patriots every week um, with Tom Brady. Um, and so I just kind of stuck with the Patriots. I don't really have like any alliance to any team, though. My college team sucks. They won one game last year, but I like watching it. I like just kind of watching the, I don't know, the sportsmanship and I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. But then we get into like, like out of football into basketball and man, I could not care less. I could not care less. The whole making brackets and all this stuff. Like, yeah, I don't care at all. It's fun. And then I'll probably watch the World Series, but that's about it. I'll pick the underdog. That's about it. Dude, dude baseball teams play a lot of games. Yeah, they do. It's like like some like 120 games these like each team plays. Like if you I mean, if you go like the full, the full distance up to the World Series. It's nuts how much baseball they play. Um, yeah, that's about it. I really just watch football. I watch golf every now and then, but it doesn't really do much for me. I watch golf religiously. I'll kind of watch it in the I'll watch it in the spring because like I'll watch the Masters. I think that's kind of cool. And then the Heritage is right after mm-hmm. the Masters. That's always played in Hilton Head, and that's kind of I like that was like right next door to where my cigar store was. And so I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll watch that. See if I can see any friends kind of like drunk stumbling inside the course. <laughs> um, it's like, I'll watch it occasionally. You know what I got really into? This is totally like a South thing. Poker. I really got into NASCAR. No, <laughs> I would love to go to a NASCAR race. Man, left turns all day. Uh huh. I would love, man, I'd like need some like macho earplugs for that. That would be fun. We got the Darlington Speedway right up the way. But man, going down to Talladega, that would be rowdy. You get like, you rent like a crappy Winnebago and you like get one of the, in like the center pit uh-huh, area. Uh-huh. That's God, a hot, that's that a hot area. Just like redneck the hell out. It's hot. Oh man, there. I would love that. Hot refs. Hot refs. There we go. <laughs> Wrap it up. Here we go. Anyway, whether you're listening to this episode or the, uh, the actual Hot Refs episode. You'll never know. <laughs> the beat queuing up from the background was made by the one and only Sam Moses. If you wouldn't mind telling him thank you for putting these episodes together, for making all of like music and making these episodes as good as they are. I'm sure you'd appreciate it. Thank you. Um, if you need a mastering engineer, Sam can be found at Moses Mastering and I can be found at For The Record Mastering. You know, after we just complained for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still into that, um, you're like, I'm going to go to a mastering engineer who doesn't whine all the time. <laughs> Sam perks up. I like wine. Oh, great. Um, let's see. What else? If you wouldn't mind keep leaving us a comment, a like, a star, subscribing, that would be really great. Take a screenshot, share on your favorite social media platform. Uh, Instagram is Argo2. If you wouldn't mind doing that, that would be awesome. And yeah. 
morning, afternoon, evening, whatever you're having. Hope you have a darn good one. You too, Biggie. Like wrapping up. <laughs> See, come on, Dad. <laughs> See you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.